following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Basketball Society. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Atlantic Files, brought to you by BasketballSocietyOnline.com and the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. Of course, with us today, we still have the co-host with me, Mike Bash, and our special guest this week, we have Greg Sussman of the Fantasy Sports Network. What is going on, Greg? Hey, man, thanks uh, Thanks to you guys for having me. Been looking forward to this. Uh, ready to get started. All right. Glad to have you on. Glad to have you on. And, of course, we are continuing our year-in-review series. We have already touched on the Nets, the Sixers, the Raptors. So we are moving on now to the New York Knicks. So we will get things started off here, and we will take it back to last season. And, Greg, I'll let you open up here. So what were your expectations for the Knicks coming into last season? Uh, they pretty much met them, right? Like, I, I thought they'd be pretty terrible. Uh, they got their best player to tear his ACL and be out for potentially most of the next year. Uh, so things went pretty swimming, I'd say. I, I would have to agree. I mean, there, there, there really wasn't all that much. Like, we're not sitting here saying there were championship aspirations for the Knicks. So, I mean, all in all, you got to say that this is pretty much what we expected. Yeah, you know, it, it was exactly what you expected. Um, I didn't, I didn't think we'd say Emmanuel Mudiay would be on this team at this point now. Um, <laughs> same with Trey Burke, to be fair. Uh, I thought they would compete in, in a few games. I think with Christoph Porzingis healthy, they would have would have won uh, quite a few more. But I think it was clear pretty early on Jeff Hornacek just was not the answer. Um, they needed to make some changes, and, and they did. They needed to, they needed to get younger. Um, they needed to. Um, they needed to kind of reboot and retool, and I think they're certainly on their way to doing that. Yeah, I completely agree. Mike, what do you think? Yeah, from a win-loss standpoint, I thought they were going to do a little bit better. I thought they would reach the 30-win plateau, but as you come accustomed with the Knicks, there's always something that goes wrong for them. And with last year, uh, Porzingis going down was a big injury for them. They, I believe last season was the Charles Oakley incident. I don't remember if it was not if it was two years ago, maybe. But... um. You know, just with the Knicks, it, something always gets in their way. I, I do like their outlook moving forward, but as far as what I was looking for last year, I thought they'd get to 30 wins. They fell just short. But, uh, yeah, it was kind of what I, I expected as well. Yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of people, Knicks fans included, kind of know what that one thing that happens every season is, and I think it resides up in that front office. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I think the front office, and I think you got to go higher, to be honest with you. I think it all starts with the owner. Um, the front yes. office has been a mess um, since I've been born, which is now 30 years ago. And there, there's never been any semblance of a plan. And when there is a plan, they always, you know, unfortunately don't stick to the plan. And I think you could take it back, the most recent example, um, being, being Carmelo Anthony. And they traded every asset they had. 
uh, for a guy that was going to come as a free agent in three months after that. Like, what was the rush, essentially? You knew he wanted to be in New York. They knew he wanted to be in New York. What are you doing, in, in a way? And unfortunately, uh, that cost an asset. That's one example. Um, the next example is they were beaten up at the center position, and instead of waiting to go out and get a Chris Paul, who also everybody knew wanted to play in New York, they use their one amnesty on Chauncey Billups and go out and get Tyson Chandler. While Tyson Chandler was great for a year, he's a big man with knee problems, and, and that was another disaster that was just simply short-sighted. And bringing in Phil Jackson and having him install what he does, again, just simply short-sighted. There was no long-term plan. And as any Nick fan will tell you, the, the hope is right now that long-term plan exists, that the guys that are in charge, Scott Perry, Steve Mills, that there's just a plan. I don't think any Nick fan even cares what it is. It, there's just a plan in place that they're not going to try to cut corners on. And I know it's 2019. Uh, people are hoping that they'll get a couple of free agents that will uh, surround Christoph Porzingis and surround Frank Nielakina and, and Kevin Knox. Um, and maybe that would be great. And maybe that will work. But I don't think you could sacrifice the future in order to, to guarantee that happen. Like, don't go and trade for a Kyrie Irving or Jimmy Butler midway through this season. Um, because that will only end in disaster and kind of just restart uh, this two-decade-long drought the Knicks have been in. Right, right. And, yeah, I mean, that that was pretty much where I was also alluding to, like, ownership in general, because obviously a lot of people have been trying to get uh, Dolan to sell the team in general in the first place. Um, but... On top of that, yeah, the, the, that's always been the biggest thing. Going into last season was also one of, one of the things to go along with that was, well, okay, are we going to see a resemblance of a plan? Like, is that something we're going to see uh, coming into last season? Will we know um, who else is going to be the building blocks surrounding Porzingis? Uh, will Frank Nidalekina be the point guard that they they need him to be? Uh, what else will they be looking for as the season progressed? And when you know y you all already assumed that um, Porzingis was the main piece, and then Nidalekina was going to be a supporting piece, and then they they sign uh, Hardaway Jr. again from I believe he went to Atlanta. Uh, and it was like, okay, they brought Hardaway Jr. back. He's not old, but at the same time, like, you gave him a good amount of money. And then, so then the plan was kind of like, okay, so where is this plan going now? And then, so after that, uh, and then going on through the season, they get Moutier as well. And you're like, okay, so... It kind of seems like they don't have any confidence in Nita Lakina yet. Are they going to try and wait it out and see if they do have some more confidence? Um, but throughout most of the season, they were playing Jarrett Jack more. And then, you know, enters Moutier. They started playing Moutier more. And for me, uh, what I said on this show a lot was, I don't understand why you're not just playing all of your young guys all the time when you know you're not competing for a championship right now. You know that's not in the, the plan at, at this current season. So why not give Nita as many minutes as possible and see what he can do with those starting five on the floor um, with Cantor, who they also gave a good amount of money to. And so, you know, let, let him... Just see what he can give you. See how he can grow and see what he can do. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think it's one of the reasons Jeff Hornacek uh, isn't with this team anymore because uh, you have a 19-year-old point guard um, in his first season in the NBA, and you're playing guys like Jared Jack over him, and you're playing guys uh, even like Trey Burke, who I, I like coming out of Michigan. Um, you're, you're playing those guys over Frank Nielakina, a guy that you need to see if you have in, anything in. And if he's not the answer, that's fine. But even this year, like he showed enough signs that like you give him a shot this year and you see what he has. People, these players improve. This guy's 20 years old now. Like, mm-hmm. there may be a lot left in, in Frank Neokin that we haven't seen. Like, players do improve. So I think this is one of the reasons why Jeff Warnersack is not back with this team. Yeah, and to touch on that point, I think that, you know, every 19-year-old or 18-year-old kid that comes over from Europe is not the same. And when Porzingis came over, obviously right around the same age, he dominated or he was showed, like, he belongs in this league, while uh, Frank only averaged six points a game. So... There's a, there's always going to be that learning curve with the European guys more so than the uh, you know the college guys, but I like the acquisition of Trey Burke. I like the uh, acquisition of Mude. They both played well down the stretch. Yeah, you want you have a 19 year old that you want to develop, but those two guys didn't. You know, it wasn't like they were wasting minutes. That they combined for um, 22 and nine together. So if you can get that out of your point guard position, that's more than enough what you're looking for. So I I, I like that. All three got the play, but I do I didn't mind those two acquisitions. Yeah, I, and I understand what you I understand what you're saying. That you're trying to find the talent um, in Moutier and in Burke, like you like you are in Neilakina, and, and I, I do agree with that. Obviously, like find talent wherever you can. Players improve, but I think Christos Porzingis um, is an anomaly, right? Like Mike Trout's an anomaly. The guys that come up um, and just dominate their sport right out of the gate, like that doesn't happen. And I think. Nick fans and, and NBA fans just have to be patient with these players. Like Paul George wasn't Paul George the, the day he stepped into the league. And I think you could say that about a lot of players, uh, more so than a guy like LeBron James, who's dominated from the beginning. Well, Greg, you know that New York and patience don't go together. Right. They, they don't. <laughs> and, and, but like they, they don't and they do. Right. Like if people always say you can't rebuild in New York. Right. And as a Yankee, you know, as a Yankees fan, you watch what this team did. And the rebuild was certainly quick, but they're OK with that. If you like, just be clear. Like, listen, we're gearing up for the future. They could buy that. Like, how many summers have Knicks fans said, "Hey, we're waiting for the summer of 2020, uh, 2010, and then we were waiting for the summer of 2012, and then we were waiting for the summer of 2016, and now we're waiting for the summer of 2019," and everyone's okay with that. So, I think that point of, of New Yorkers don't have patience. I don't know if that's fair anymore. I think I think what goes along with that is like you were pretty much alluding to is that the team just has to be open about it they just have to say hey look we're rebuilding this is our plan and so this is what this is what we're aiming towards if you if you lay that out i mean you can see that with with uh sam hinkey and the sixers that a lot of people in philadelphia didn't want to go through more years of you know getting bounced out in the first round he came in said hey look we're taking this longest view in the room sort of thing, and we're going to try and build a dynasty contender uh, for like five, six, seven years down the road. But in the meantime, it's going to be bad. And sure, I mean, it split some of the fans, but most of the fans were like, hey, this is cool. We got a plan. And I feel like the same thing can happen in New York, but the only thing is that, especially with the Knicks, they have never been explicit about it. Well, well. So I think to that point, right? Like now we look back 
at the process of Sanhagi, and we're just this dude's a genius. And I and it's it, obviously right. this is the plan; it's come to fruition, uh, and that's amazing. But let's recognize what that was. Like, the problem with that was not only was he, was he training for all these picks and shedding salary and, and trying to get the first pick, which is great. Like I, I, I get that. Right. But. He was drafting guys like a Gilo Okafor, like a Michael Carter Williams, letting them play, showing some success, maybe not in the case of Okafor, and then trading them away. Like so many of those picks, Nerlens Noel comes to mind also, bombed in Philadelphia. Right. So that process was a lot longer than it should have been. And the reason that Hinky's no longer in Philly and the NBA at the time placed Brian Colangelo there essentially was because they were sick of the process. Like, let's just go out and sign a free agent, right? Go and and play these guys. So I think that we all look back, and it's not just you, we all look back with this fondness at Sam Hinkie and what he did in the process. But the process was probably double the amount of time it should be. Um, but, you know, then again, there's, there's also the Bill Belichick call. I mean, and Hinkie did that also. You literally just get as many picks as possible because the draft is such a lottery that you have no idea who's going to pick. So the more picks uh, you have, the more chances you, you have to hit. And that's literally what Hinkie did. He drafted right. so many players over the last several years. Some were going to hit, some didn't. Noel, Michael Carter-Williams, Julio Okafor, they didn't. Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and Dario Saric, like, those hit. Now, would he have, and I know we're talking about the Knicks, but would he have traded for Markel Fultz? Probably not. He would have just taken the value and maybe wound up with Jason Tatum. Who knows? But, um, yeah, so I, I want to be fond about it, and I want the Knicks and James Dolan and his crew to be honest, which I think they have been, in, in credit to them over the last couple of years. Like they, they said point blank, we're not going out and signing free agents this summer, and, and they didn't. And I didn't hear one Nick fan complaining about that. It wasn't a Nick fan that went out and said, oh, my God, go sign LeBron right now. That, that, that didn't happen, and I think it's okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I I agree, and it's true. Like when you go through a rebuild like that, um, and like the Knicks are currently, and even like the Nets are, there's a lot of yeah. players that you're going to try out that will not pan out. I mean, there's going to be plenty of picks, plenty of you know little free agent pickups or or salary saving trades that end up being a wash and just really don't do anything for you. And if you have too many of those, then yeah, like you said, it's going to prolong the whole process, prolong the rebuild and, and just make it all uh, like just, you know, it all slower. Um, and like to that point, it, it, there is, um, there's obviously risks with every rebuild and how every rebuild is, is carried out. Um, but at the same time, like like we were saying, if the Knicks from day one started playing and just giving all these young guys uh, the amount of playing time that, that, you know, well, any amount of playing time that they need to, to really evaluate some talent, you probably could have found some more diamonds in the rough by now because uh, I don't mean to compare everything to the Sixers, but like uh, Covington... TJ McConnell, those guys were not getting a chance anywhere else. Those guys yeah, were uh, not. It, yeah, that, yeah, they, absolutely. And that's where and that's where a guy like Trey Burke comes in, right? Exactly. Like, this is this is where the Knicks give him a chance. You mentioned the Nets. I think the Nets are doing fantastic. Like they are following the Sixers model uh, to a T, while taking on these big salaries because they can afford them and getting value in return. I, I love. I absolutely love what the Nets are doing. And they're going to be able to sign a free agent and they'll be able to get a top draft pick. Um, and the Nets were in a much worse position than the Knicks were because 
they didn't have any picks, right? There were, there were no picks for the Nets given what they did to the Celtics. So, um, you know, I, I, I give a lot of credit to, to the, the Nets front office um, and Coach Kenny Atkins in there. Right. I, yeah, and I think... Go ahead, Mike. I, I think with the Nets... Uh, I'm sorry, with the Knicks, kind of to your guys' point is, yeah, they're just going after guys with who were drafted very high and didn't pan out in their original team, and that's why they made trades from Moutier, and that's why they picked up Trey Burke, is these guys were former top 10 picks. They didn't work out, but they still have that quote-unquote pedigree, so let's see if it'll work out. And um, In the case of Burke, you know he had some big games down the stretch where he scored 26, 42, and then he was consistently in the teens, so... You know, even if he turns into a like a six-man role, if, if uh, French Frank becomes your starting point guard, you got him off the you know off the waiver heap. So, it, yeah, it's it, it's I like what what their new regime is doing. It, it seems like they have a good direction, and it seems like they have a good head on their shoulders. So, if they can continue to re- rebuild the right way, I think the Knicks will be a team that will grow sooner rather than later. Right, I agree, and. To go along with that, I feel like every fan base has their kind of like cult hero, and the Knicks do already have one in Ron Baker. <laughs> Another Wichita State guy. This is true. <laughs> um, but uh, so going uh, a little bit further on, so throughout this season, who really stood out to you guys the most as somebody that you know you might not have expected to stand out, and what kind or if you think at all, what kind of moves do you think the Knicks should have made during the season last year? Um, for, for me, I, we keep we keep saying it, and I think it, it bears repeating just to answer your question. Like I think mm-hmm. the answer is Trey Burke, right? Like a guy that kind of came out of nowhere. Oh yeah. Um, and and did what, exactly what Mike was just talking about. And I think Trey Burke is, was the biggest surprise uh, for the Knicks this season. As a moves they could have made, yeah, like, I think. A guy like Courtney Lee, like I'm not really sure why he was on the team at the end of the year. Like he, I, I'd like to think he was an asset to somebody. And what value did he have in the Knicks? None. You know, Kyle Kyle Quinn was obviously going to be a free agent after the year. That's an expiring contract. Mm-hmm. Even if you're getting a second round pick, which usually amounts to nothing, get rid of him. Like there, there's literally literally no value in holding on to a guy like Courtney Lee or a guy like Kyle Quinn. Um, and that was the only things I would have liked to see them do. There, there was no reason to trade for assets, uh, trade for players rather that could help you last year. Simply just trade for future assets, and that's what I wish the Knicks would have done. Yeah, and for me, I, I know this isn't a coming out of nowhere kind of guy. Uh, Tim Hardaway, he he is definitely overpaid. He's kind of like the Knicks version of Alan Crabb, where he doesn't deserve the money he's getting. He's going to get paid, but. He he came up as that second scorer while Porzingis was there, and then obviously when Porzingis went down, you know he proved that he he could play in this league at a high level. Yeah, is he gonna? He might hinder them after going for a max free agent just because the money he's taking up, uh, in addition to Joakim Noah's contract, so that might hurt them when it comes to you know getting big max free agents. But Tim Hardaway is a good player. He's a good third option on a team, you know. So. Match him with Porzingis, hopefully with Kevin Knox, if he becomes what people think he will become. Tim Hardaway is is a good player, and he, he took his game to another, a little bit of another level last year in New York. So uh, that was a guy for me that came up. And even Cantor, what, when they had to, um, they you know they had to get rid of Carmelo Anthony, they had to trade him, and they got Enos Cantor for him. They could have done much worse. You know, the they um the Hawks got, or I'm sorry, the Thunder got Dennis Schroeder. 
So uh, Carmelo Anthony's still getting traded for talent somehow, but you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I like what they got with Cantor and, and Hardaway from to go along with Porzingis. Yeah, uh, no, I agree. I, I mean, I gave I gave Hardaway some crap during the season, but it it was pretty much like you said, just because of the money he kind of demanded. And the fact that he hasn't lived up to that kind of money yet. And so there's still a lot I want to see from him. Um, but I do agree that Hardaway can be a decent third option, even even a fourth option. Like if, if Hardaway could be the Knicks version of, you know, J.R. Smith, how J.R. Smith would play with LeBron. Uh, like, and obviously, like, you would still with, have to get those star players for... With more basketball IQ, though. <laughs> exactly not not last year's J.R. Smith like the year that they won the championship <laughs> um but yeah I I think he could definitely fill that kind of role and then with Knox coming in uh there's another guy who I think you know at, at first I, I was questioning their their selection of Knox because there were a lot of other guys on the board that I thought were would be better fits for New York but with Knox coming in that's another another score as well which could you know lighten the load from Porzingis and Hardaway on top of that um as far as a a standout goes um I I do agree with uh Trey Burke obviously he was the biggest one and the the biggest named one there um another guy that I thought you know kind of stood out to me and kind of showed some improvement and showed that he might be able to contribute on a better team, I thought, was Michael Beasley. Uh, sure, he's nowhere near what we all thought Michael Beasley was going to be when he first was drafted because he was supposed to you know, come into the league as the next big thing. Um, but, you know, he got some of his shooting percentages up. I mean, he shot 50% from the floor, 40% from three, uh, and still put up 13 points a game, you know, five rebounds, one assist, played okay defense, uh, and now he's over in, uh, didn't, uh, the Lakers signed him, didn't they? My, yeah, Michael Beasley, he joined the meme team. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's what, that's what we're calling it now, the meme team? Well, you got Lance Stevenson, you got Michael Beasley, you got Rajon Rondo, and yeah. they, uh, they, I feel like they signed somebody else. Are we, allowed to, are we allowed to curse on here or no? Yeah, you can. All right, so this is a straight asshole to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, Pretty I was much. keeping it PG-13. It, you know, it's <laughs> I, I, don't know, I don't know the rules of your podcast. So. Oh, yeah, you're, you're good. For now, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so, uh, like, I've, I, I liked, I mean, I liked watching Michael Beasley just because you don't know what he's going to do, but... Um, I, the I left-handed liked... Carmelo Anthony, <laughs> to an extent. <laughs> um, but you know he was fun to watch, and so I I think that also contributed big time to the Lakers even thinking about signing him, especially because he's about to turn thirty this coming season. So, um, so I thought I thought he was a, a bit of a standout. And as far as moves go, uh, Greg, you definitely took the the words right out of my mouth. I don't know why Courtney Lee was is still on the team right now. There's no way he should be on the roster, especially because he fills a role that is perfect for today's NBA. Like he is the three and D guy that you want on your team. He's reliable, plays decent defense, shoots forty percent from three. Uh, and, like. He finds himself open plenty of times, even shoots 91, 92% from the free throw line. Like, I mean, 
Courtney Lee is the guy that a lot of people could use, especially uh, even though they already did trade Carmelo to the Thunder. The Thunder could have used Courtney Lee, especially when Roberson went down. Um, and then, I mean, plenty of other teams on top of that could have used him. Like, if, if the Rockets got Courtney Lee to fill in for Trevor Ariza, I honestly would have liked that more than them getting Melo right now. Uh, yeah, you know, I think I, I very much agree with you. Um, the only the only answer to the question that you and I both had, like, why is Courtney Lee still on this team, is I guess there there is something to a veteran presence. Like, you, you look at what um, Philly did last year, going back to the Sixers, right, bringing in a guy like um, Marco Bellinelli. Like, what is this dude doing on the team, right, or a guy like J.J. Redick? Mm-hmm. And that veteran presence, and, and Urza Ilyasova. Like, and they constantly re- – bring up these guys as, as major, major reasons for the improvement and major, major reasons um, that the young, that the young players know, like, understand. And like, maybe there's that benefit importantly. Of course, it's not nearly as good enough to me for a losing team as a second round pick would be. Right. Um, but, you know, maybe, maybe that's it. And, Again, like the Knicks gonna tell you, then you can get what they've asked for accordingly. Like that that answer is simply not good enough to me. Because like, who cares what it is? Like, what the hell is the difference with the ass? Right? Like, give me <laughs> something for this guy. Uh, so I don't know. I wish I had the answer, I, I, and I just don't. I don't know. Yeah. Well, he he does have NBA Finals experience, so that might be why. That's exactly why. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, uh, like, moving on with the the season from last year. Uh, obviously, you know, they, the Knicks weren't just plagued with a bad team. They were plagued with injuries on top of that with Porzingis going down, um, Hardaway even missed, uh, close to 30 games. Um, there were plenty of guys that, you know, couldn't make it, uh, all the way to the end of the season. Um, so out of the younger guys, like moving away from like the bigger names, was there anybody that you think, you know, moving on might be able to catch on to the team? And I'm talking about guys like uh, Damian Dotson or Luke Cornett or um, Isaiah Hicks. Like, was there anybody that kind of stood out to you guys like that, that, that you might think could stay with the team and, and prove to rise, rise up through the ranks? Or do you think they were just kind of like a wash and they just need to get on with the next drafts and, and build more from there? I feel like you really reached, reached with some of your names. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I kind of always had like an affinity, uh, an affinity for some reason for, for Damian Dotson. Like, I, I think that guy's talented. Um, the, the rest of them, like the Luke Cornets of the world, uh, I don't know. Like, that doesn't really excite me. The Dean Allens of the world, even though they went to Arizona, and lo- I love the Wildcats. Like, I don't know. The name that really excites me going forward, young player, that, and it really goes along with the theme that you were talking about, Mike, right? Bringing in some of these top-tier talents, Trey Burke and Matteo Moutier, that were lottery selections that have high ceilings that are still young that have busted for whatever reason. Uh, that's the guy I'm really excited about is Mario Herzonia, right? Like that dude coming over to Magic. He was a he was a top ten pick, and I'm just like this guy never got a shot in Orlando, and every single time that he has really got an extended opportunity to play, like he had some success. So for me. I love I love that signing by the Knicks. I hope they give him some burn because I remember watching the highlights of Inland Draft Night. <laughs> like this guy is amazing. Uh, I never and ultimately in Orlando he never had a shot. So if I have to pinpoint one young guy that we haven't really talked about that I think ultimately could do something, I, I think Arizona is the guy. 
Yeah, I agree with Herzonia. I really like that move for the Knicks. They also brought in Noah Vonley. Yeah. Um, yeah, Herzonia is a six eight shooting guard, but he like he never got the chance. It was the Aaron Gordon show with Alfred Payton until Alfred Payton didn't work out. They also had Vucevic, and they yeah they just never. He started thirty nine or forty one games in three years as a top five, I think, or top seven pick. You know, he was the number five overall pick. Yeah, I think you have to at least give the guy a chance. He's only twenty two years old, or he's going to be twenty three. Um, and what's it going to cost the Knicks? I think it was a was it a trade? I don't believe it was a trade. I believe it was a, sign, a signing. Yeah, and it cost him like two and a half million dollars. Like so, ridiculous. Yeah, so you're not paying him a lot. He's he's young, and here's the thing with the Knicks this year: Por- Porzingis is should not play at all this year, and if he plays, it's very end of the year just to show that he's healthy. They're they're from a talent standpoint, it's young talent. They're not going to make the playoffs or come anywhere close. It doesn't mean they're a bad team. It's just their best players are that are going to be on the court are 19, 20, 22 years old. They should let the young guys develop, and that means give guys like um, uh, Fr- French Frank a longer leash, give Herzonia a chance, and then, yeah, give guys like Vonley, who they brought over, a chance, as well as the rookies like Kevin Knox and Mitchell Robinson. Just let them play, let them develop, trial by fire, and see what happens. You know, you you, you have to go into this season with low expectations and see if, they, if any of them... I think Kevin Knox will be fine, but see if the other guys can, you know, be contributors moving forward. Right, right. I I, I completely agree. And like you said, to the to the point of young talent coming in, like Inez Cantor, uh, Courtney Lee, and Lance Thomas are like your biggest veteran presences at like seven years experience and ten years experience. The rest of them. The next most experienced players after those three are Tim Hardaway Jr. and Trey Burke. Like, <laughs> that's not much experience there at all, especially considering the fact that, you know, Trey Burke has bounced around a lot, hasn't really shown what we were expecting, and Tim Hardaway has, he's done okay. Um, and uh, I also love that, that acquisition of Mario Hazonia. Um, he was a guy that I was hoping the, the Sixers were going to get back when he was drafted as well, because, you know, they always talked about the Sixers needing shooters and everything. Mario's a guy that can, that can shoot the basketball and he's a big guard, which is going to help you, especially when you face teams like the Celtics and, and other teams like that, that can switch a lot of their wings and their guards because of how big they are. And, um, another, uh, another well, a couple other young guys that I did like that they got. I like that they got Alonzo Trier. I do like Trier uh, from Arizona as well. And I know another guy that Mike and I talked about a lot, Mitchell Robinson, was a great gamble of a pick that they that they took um, on draft night as well. I'm very excited to see what Mitchell Robinson brings to the floor. And, you know, he's a guy that I really hope they give the light of day to because last season – one guy that I wanted them to continue to play and give him some more some more time was Willie Hernan Gomez. He was a guy that they would put in for a little bit at a time, and he would it, his production wasn't bad. Um, I mean, just looking at, like real quick at the sets, they only gave him nine minutes a game last year on twenty six games before getting rid of him. And yeah, and that and, and trying to cut you off, like that yeah. was another weird one of our Hornacek, right? Like you have three centers. You 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 had Kylo Quinn in there, who was an aging veteran, and and that's fine. Um, 
you had, you know, Joakim Noah, who obviously didn't play. You had a lot of Lance Thomas. You had right. a lot of Michael Beasley. And obviously you signed Ennis Cancer. But Willie Hernan Gomez, that was the dude that was how old? 23 years old, give or yep. take, right? Yep. And it was his second season in the NBA. That's a player you develop. That's not a player you trade away to Charlotte for nothing. Like, I, I just don't get it. And I know Scott Perry ultimately made the decision for this, but, like, I didn't get that one. This is a, now a 24-year-old center that you're like, this is a guy you see if you have something in. Why are you playing Kyle O'Quinn, and even Ennis Cantor, who I like, over Willie Hernan Gomez and see what you have there? Like, he had a really nice end of his rookie season. And I remember in fantasy drafts last year, like, he was a guy people were speculating on late. And right. it was a disaster because they didn't play him. It made no sense. Exactly. And I mean, the fact that in double the amount of playing time that, that Kylo Quinn received compared to Hernan Gomez, Kylo Quinn only got three more points a game and four more rebounds a game in double the amount of time. Right. So, right. Uh, like, there was a lot of promise with him. And the fact that, you know, when there were times that they had Hernan Gomez in with Porzingis, and they dominated the boards. Like, I mean, those are two young, big guys banging down low on the boards. And especially when you have a guy like Porzingis who also likes to shoot the three, and that is your big man, you want another guy like Hernan Gomez down there to get the boards. I just, like you said, I didn't understand that at all, and I thought that would have been a great guy to have moving forward. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And we'll never know. Right, exactly. But but looking forward at the Knicks, uh, I know this might be a bit of a hot take, but with the trio of Kevin Knox, Christoph Porzingis, and Mitchell Robinson, now two of them haven't played a game in the NBA, and one of them's coming off an ACL injury. Outside right. of the Sixers, that might be one of the best front, potentially, I'm going on the upside here, might be one of the best front courts in in the eastern conference just yeah, looking I mean, down the list you know I mean, they have obviously an absurd statement because you're talking about two players that have never played in the NBA, but... <laughs> I, I, and i understand that i think kevin knox wait, at... wait wait hold on let, let me let me let me kind of jump in there again two players that have never played in the nba before and a dude that has a torn acl this is this is the best front court in the nba and the no, one no, uh, first off i said the eastern conference second off <laughs> and second the one off, hasn't I... played a college game either <laughs> I understand that, and this is why I made the comparison to Joe Harris and LeBron James. Hot takes come out all the time, but true. But I like Kevin Knox. I think is a twenty-point score written all over him. Sure, Kristaps Porzingis, as we all agree, is one of the top five big men in the league, and Mitchell Robinson, at the very worst, is or not. The, I shouldn't say at the very worst, but Mitchell Robinson should turn into like a. Samuel Dallenbearer or a or a Tyson Chandler type, you know, defender. So Or he may be just terrible. <laughs> he could he could be could be terrible, but I think out of the all second round picks, I was very high on Mitchell. I wanted the Nets to get him in the first round, and instead we took a kid from Bosnia. So you know, <laughs> first off, it is what it is. I gotta give you I I I don't know if I if I wanna give you respect or not for the Sammy Dallenbearer reference. Um <laughs> just because Oh my god! All the frustrating years of watching Sammy Dallenbear. But <laughs> I didn't want to go as high as you know Dikembe Mutombo, but so I went a little. Lower. All right, all right. I'll, I'll give I'll give you that. But yeah, no, I I I see where you're going with this. Um, 
obviously, yeah, like you said, it is a hot take to say that they're one of the best front, that they could be one of the best front courts uh, in the Eastern Conference, especially, you know, when you still have, uh, like, some pretty good front courts in the Eastern Conference. Um, yeah, I mean, like, like, just for example, let's start with Boston, with Gordon Hayward, Al Horford, and Jason Tatum. Like, that right. could be better. Or Jalen Brown, if uh, you want to put him in there. Or Jalen Brown, sure. Well, um, all right, my, my I, outlook was more I, I of, like, four about, years from now. Three, four, four years, years from now. Three, three years. Three years. might be dead in four years from now. <laughs> but you, you look at Chicago, right? Like, Ray Markin, Wendell Carter, and Jabari Parker. Like, that's pretty damn exciting four years from now. Yeah, it is. So a guy coming off a torn ACL, uh, or a guy who played the season of college. He already and... played. Wait, he already, he already played. Jabari Parker's not coming off the ACL like Kristaps is, right? Like, Parker came back. Yeah, I, I know. I, I know. I'm trying to defend my point here. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like I said Brooklyn's going to have the best front court. All right? I, I just... No. I was I was trying to give Nick fans some hope. That's really and what then, I was trying to do. And then the last one for me that immediately came to mind was in Detroit, where you have Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin, and then whoever they started small forward, which as of now it sounds like Stanley Johnson. Right. Yeah. I mean. Okay. They could be a top ten front court in the East. Is that better? <laughs> <Top 10. laughs> I Out mean, fifteen. That's perfect for for New York fans. I would hope so. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean. It's true. Like the the fact that you know, um, you can even say like that. You can have some kind of like that kind of hope for any kind of young talent is promising for for the Knicks right now because of you know how many how many years they have had that. Uh, the, well, the good years where like you know when Melo and them were still in their prime, and it was like oh they could make it to the finals they could do this they could do that and it just didn't pan out and then the bad years the last few years that you know struggling to not even make the playoffs struggling to, to win 30 games um there, there's been a lot of that so the fact that there even is you know a, a big amount of hope like that for these guys for Porzingis for uh Knox and Robinson and like we said with Hazonia um all those guys is is promising like it, it's it's nice to finally have you know some more hope around more people than just Porzingis right now yeah I would say and the thing that's going to work with the Knicks is the fact that because they're going to be bad this year due to the Porzingis injuries they're going to add another top let's say top seven pick on top of the young talent that they already have so they they at the very least, they have a strong young nucleus of, of talented players that are going to be there, and obviously it's spearheaded by Porzingis. But I, I think the Knicks, for the first time in years, and I, and I don't even want to count the Melo Amari because that was like free agency, and, but like the first time in a long time that the Knicks are set up, I think, to have a string of success, not just this, oh, we signed two big free agents and and we're successful for a few years and then it crashes and burns. Like I think they they're the way they're set up right now. If you know, barring any more major injuries, I think they're set up for some success. Right. So. <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, I I definitely agree. There's there's a lot of a lot of ways that this can go. 
Um, and I mean, when you look at next year's draft, if they are still bottom of the barrel, there are some exciting guys in the draft. So, I mean, I know that's looking way far from now, but, um, you know, if, if the lottery breaks their way for once, then, you know, there are some, some really, really nice guys that they can add to this roster to take the talent to a whole new level. Um, and like you said, since Porzingis is going to be hurt and so on and so forth, that's that's going to be, you know, a, a plausible scenario, um, especially with the fact that, you know, the East is just up for contention right now. Obviously, you have the favorites, um, but the East in general is pretty much as wide as wide open as it has ever been uh, back to probably hasn't been this open since back when like LeBron was in his rookie years. Uh, so it's, it's going to be interesting to just to see what happens. And um, you gotta, like, you just have to assume that the Knicks are going to start unloading people as well. I don't think anyone's going to take the Joakim Noah contract, unfortunately for them, but uh, guys like Courtney Lee, um, I feel like they could even trade Tim Hardaway away uh, just because I, I don't know if he really fits the timeline of where he's at right now. But, um, yeah, you just got to assume that they're going to start unloading some, some other contracts in there, and that can even get them closer to the bottom to get that higher pick and get them some value in return this season. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, I think all the guys that you mentioned could be traded. I think that um, – they're certainly primed to have another terrible season uh, and put them in a prime spot in a lottery. And listen, there's also nothing wrong with signing for agents. Like, I, I, that wasn't the problem. Um, it was who they signed, like a, a Joakim Noah, whose right. you know, knees were shot. That didn't make sense. The guy had no offensive game. Like, his defensive game simply did not translate as he got older and deteriorated. Like, that didn't make sense. Uh, Melo, you know, for, for all of his... Um, all the negatives, right? If they sign him in the offseason, it's no big deal. Like, the real problem was, was signing him the second time, and they let him walk like Austin. Like, he was a really good Nick for his time. So the problem really to me isn't, isn't the signing of free agents. I think they will go out and try to sign free agents. And, you know, Mike, I'm sure you're, as a Nets fan, you're, you're hoping they do the same. But, like, you know that Jimmy Butler and Kyrie Irving want to, want to play together. They want, they, they've certainly talked with the New York area with both Brooklyn and New York. Um, and, and maybe you go in that direction and you have a Porzingis and you have an Iokina and you have a Kevin Knox. And all of a sudden, you know, the Knicks aren't looking so bad. So I, I think there are options for the future. I don't want to look at this team now the way it is constructed and be like, hey, this, this, this team is really, going to be really, really good in four years. They need a lot more. Um, they need pieces in the lottery. They need to sign marquee free agents. Um, and they need to build. And then, you know, we'll see. Yeah, I agree with you. I just hope that uh, the Jimmy Butler Kyrie Irving tandem decides on Brooklyn and not New York, because I, I expected. Yeah, because I, uh, I'm sick of you know, I, I, we haven't been good in years now because Billy King ruined us. So I'm hoping. Are you? Are you? Oh wait, are, are you a professional broadcaster? Or you still call it we? All right, I still right now have my uh, allegiance to the Knicks. I'm sorry, to the Nets. Oh my god, <laughs> can't even get your allegiance right. <laughs> uh, can we edit that out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. There, there's a lot of of younger guys that, like you said, uh, for signing free agents. There's a lot of younger guys that they can, you know, just you know, 
especially when 10-day contracts, when you're allowed to sign those again, you know, give a guy a 10-day, see what he does. If he doesn't do well, yep. all right, next one. Like, Definitely. there's still plenty of people out there. Um, and, and there's a lot of guys that uh, you can try out for a day here, a day there. There's guys like, uh, I don't know, like an Aaron Harrison who uh, from a while back, like he's still out there. You know, there, there's just a lot of guys that you can throw in the pot and just see what what happens to jump out at you. I, I, if there's one, if there's one person, I don't think Greg wants the Knicks to go after. It's anyone to do with the Harrison twins. <laughs> I don't want the Knicks to ever sign anybody with the last name Harrison. For sure. <laughs> well, I'll retract that one. <laughs> but. The the other thing that we uh, haven't mentioned yet, talking about the Knicks, is they brought in David Fisdale. Yeah, I true. think he is a great coach. I just think he got a raw deal in Memphis. Agree, Greg. What are you, what are your thoughts on Fisdale? Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and out of all the names out there, uh, Fisdale was absolutely at the top or near the top of my list. I, th- I thought the Knicks made a huge error two years ago when they didn't bring in Tom Thibodeau when he was available. And maybe maybe I was wrong about that. Um, because in, in Minnesota, like he's given his brand and he's brought in his guys and it hasn't exactly worked how I think a lot of us expected. Um, but Fisdale is closer to what today's game is. Like I think he understands it. Like by bringing Marcus all out and all of a sudden making him this corner three-point specialist, like that was genius. And that is what today's NBA is. And even though he had his later had his problems with Marcus all, like I think he gets it. And I think he understands, and that's why I don't really have a problem with giving guys second shots. Like, I thought Jeff Hornacek would understand what he did wrong. And, unfortunately, he was completely uh, mishandled with Phil Jackson basically running the team in year one. And then in year two, you know, his personality certainly just didn't match. And I will never understand why a team ever wants to be a leader in long twos. It doesn't ever make sense. Um, but Fisdale, one thing, he gets today's NBA. He understands today's players. People, Players like LeBron James – and Dwayne Wade, they, they swear by him. And I would certainly, certainly take that. And ultimately with Memphis, they were really, really good in his first season. And it all collapsed when whatever reason, you know, he and, and Marcus all couldn't get along. And, you know, I don't know what went wrong there, but from everything you read that this guy gets it and he understands players, and he understands today's NBA. Um, so if nothing else, I'm excited about what we, we're going to see from Fizdale. Yeah, I completely agree. Fisdale was one of the coaches that I really, really liked. Um, he he was also one of the ones that I said during the season last year. I, I just said the Knicks should just hire him mid season. Yeah. <laughs> just screw it. Just get him now and, and try and lock him up so that nobody else can get him. I'm I'm glad they did end up getting him. Um, and like you said, I think he's perfect for right now, especially with how. Uh, everything's moving towards analytics. Like he, I mean, he has that that uh, that quote for a reason about the numbers. Um, right. And and so yeah, I think he's a perfect fit for the Knicks. Especially, I think he's a perfect fit for a rebuilding team, so that you can build them in a way that fits him more, rather than like the Grizzlies, who are an aging team that still could never get over the hump. And like we saw, ended up kind of, you know, blowing up on him. Um, and it, it was funny because just because of that little spat he had with, uh, with Mark Gasol, all of a sudden I remember seeing like tons of stuff after they, the Knicks signed him. It's like, oh, he doesn't like European big men. It's like right. it, it was Mark Gasol. Does Marcus all count as every European big man ever? 
<laughs> yeah, no, you know, and, and I think I saw the same quotes and, and 1,000%. Like, the Gasols don't like them. The Gasols are absolutely loved, right? Like, everyone loves the, the, these two guys that have lasted a very, very long time um, right. in, in the NBA. Like, I totally, totally get the sentiment. But you're right. Like, it's one guy. And yeah. for whatever reason, they clash. Like, <laughs> Carmelo Anthony and Mike D'Antoni hated each other, and now he's playing for them again. So, you know, all wounds could be healed. Right. Exactly. And on top of that, uh, Fisdale did a great job of dispelling that rumor right away by going and visiting Porzingis. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. He confronted that head on. And again, and it should be pointed out, David Fisdale helped Marcus Gasol extend his career. If Marcus Gasol stayed as a back-to-the-basket guy right, you know, for the rest of his life, he would not survive in today's NBA. He'd be glued to the bench because you're not going to be able to guard other centers that are constantly going out there. And the offense of offenses have evolved. Right. And now Marcus Saul is you know, a, a perfectly fine center in today's NBA, just like his brother became a perfectly fine power forward center in today's NBA. So David Fisdale helped Gasol evolve, and I don't think you can take that away from him. Exactly. And now you're giving him a center who is younger, who yep. already has a three-point shot in his arsenal. I mean, the sky's the limit with that. And the fact that, you know, Porzingis has come out and said that he likes Fisdale. But on top of that, he already came advertised as a player coach. Like, that is how Fisdale was advertised. That's how LeBron James uh, vouched for him. I believe it was Dwayne Wade who vouched for him, too. Yep, Um, yep, yep. Because I, I think he helped with the coaching staff down in Miami when they were down there. Um, yeah, he was he, he was the lead assistant for Spoh. Right, exactly. So if you have guys like LeBron and Dwayne Wade in your corner, I feel like you know usually you're not going that. Uh, it, it's not going to be that bad of a signing, especially when you have a guy like LeBron who has run coaches out of the entire country, let alone the team. Um, but yeah, so I, I think Fizdale was a a perfect signing for the Knicks, and um, I just when when. When the Knicks first signed Hornacek, I just I, I'm not a fan of teams that keep signing coaches who have continuously failed. Like, okay, if a coach you know doesn't have a good run on one team, I can see signing that guy because hey, it might have just been a bad situation on that one team. But if it's a coach who has had multiple chances um, and has you know shown no signs of improvement in his team as years went on, I just don't see reasons why you would sign a guy like that, and especially with guys who you know are not. Uh, prone to playing younger guys when you have a younger team, which was Hornacek. Yeah, you know, uh, I I agree. Hornacek had young teams in Phoenix and couldn't do anything with them. Had a young team in New York, couldn't do anything with them. Uh, let's see if uh, let's see if someone gives him a third shot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's gonna be a I don't know, uh, Mike. You, your young team in Brooklyn want to try to give Hornacek a shot? No, we're good with Kenny Atkinson. <laughs> or, and that was another thing, right? Like, the, all these, these Knicks assistants in the past, Kenny Atkinson, Steve Clifford, like, got these opportunities to be head coaches and said the Knicks uh, went in different directions, we can say. Right. Exactly. And, I mean, even before um, Clifford was relieved of his duties, I mean, he, yeah. he wasn't doing bad, to be honest. Um, 
especially with what you have in Charlotte. Uh, and then, yeah, I, I mean, it's it's the the coaching aspect in New York has also been a big uh, head scratcher for the most part. Um, I mean, I'm pretty sure Jeff Van Gundy is still the most regarded coach in in almost all of Nick's history, isn't he? He's he's right up there for sure. Yeah. So, um, but looking forward a little bit to next season here. I guess we'll since we're winding down here, we'll get some uh, some predictions, some some potential hot takes. If you guys have any more, if if Mike has any more after saying they might have the best front court in the whole Eastern <laughs> Conference. <laughs> um, what 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 do you see like where do you see them finishing this coming season what give me like a you know like a rough estimate of their of their record and what kind of moves do you think they're going to make like like what kind of predictions do you have for for this coming season so i'll go first since greg usually steals everything i want to say um <laughs> i think that the Knicks this season i think their record will be somewhere around 24 and 58 um, I think that won't reflect their talent level, just it will reflect the fact that they're so young. Um, and my bold prediction or will be that, and I wouldn't say it's really a bold prediction, but my prediction is that Kevin Knox will finish in the top three for the uh, Rookie of the Year voting. So it, it, it'll be a trying year, it'll be a hard year for the Knicks fans, but I think um, there'll be some bright spots and that'll be one of them will be Kevin Knox. Okay. Um, my answer is hopefully they finish last. Because there's no business in, in doing anything else, and I think um, I think they'll, they'll fight. I, I agree with Mike. I think 24 might be a little low. Um, the Atlanta Hawks, for instance, in the East finished last with 24, so that'd be great. Um, I think they they you'll see a very similar year to last year. They went 29 and 53 last year. I think you'll see a, a similar number to that. I don't think they win 30 games. I think they wind up back in the lottery and uh, take their chances there. Yeah. I I agree with you guys. Um, I have them right around 26, 27 wins. Um, and I think that will put them, you know, down near bottom of the barrel. Uh, and uh, I, I don't, I'm not as confident in Kevin Knox as Mike may be. I like Kevin Knox, don't get me wrong. But um, top three in rookie of the year voting, that's, that's pretty bold. Um, I do think Courtney Lee finally gets traded, and I think it's going to be pretty early on in the season. Um, and then I also believe that uh, they'll end up trading away Tim Hardaway as well, especially if he has like a, a solid start to the season. Um, and then after that, uh, I, I think that... Uh, Mitchell Robinson will actually average a double double. Nice, all right, cool. So I, now you guys are uh, knocking me when I said one of the best front courts in the East, and you just predicted Kevin Knox to average a double double. Mitchell Robinson. Uh, it, yeah, what, uh, that's what I meant. I, I, so I meant Mitchell it's Robinson. One thing to average ten and ten is another thing to be as good as Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin in the front court. Well, averaging a double double after not playing a year in college, I mean, the, the sky's the limit. Then, hey, I didn't say it. <laughs> I mean, I, I like, like he said, ten and ten is one thing. Like, I mean, uh, Inez Cantor averages fourteen and eleven. Yeah, but, every year. Yeah, I'm not gonna say he makes up the best front court of the entire Eastern Conference, though. Okay, I understand. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean. 
that's that's really uh i guess that's all we have here for the knicks unless you guys have anything else to add no i uh i appreciate you guys inviting me on it was a blast and um thank you for the opportunity yeah no problem uh let them know where they can find you on on social media or anything greg yeah, you guys can watch my show, watch and listen to the Fantasy Best Friends Forever, BFFs, uh, every day, Monday through Friday. I think we're going to go to noon soon, but it's on 2 p.m. Eastern. You just follow the Fantasy Sports Network uh, on YouTube for that information. And you follow me on Twitter, at Greg Sussman. Uh, two Gs and Greg, it's at Greg Sussman. And uh, check out all of our awesome stuff. If you're looking for fantasy football draft help over at the Fantasy Sports Network at YouTube.com slash FNTSY Sports Network. Awesome. Awesome. Great. We loved having you on as well. Uh, always welcome on when we talk Knicks anytime as well. Sounds great, guys, and uh, thanks for having me. Thank you. And, of course, everybody, you can find us on Twitter at Atlantic Files. We will have all of our updates, uh, a lot of our posts on Basketball Society, everything on there. Um, and you'll find all of our episodes on there as well as on SoundCloud uh, at the Basketball Society channel. And we are on Apple Podcasts as well on the Atlantic Files and on the Basketball Society channel as well. So make sure you guys give us a subscribe on there and drop us a rating as well and always check out basketballsocietyonline.com as well as the underdog sports podcast network thank you guys for listening again and we'll catch you guys next week peace